Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, thanks for coming out. There's a lot of places you could be on Mother's Day, uh, especially a nice day like this. And this is uh, only one of many options. So I'm glad you're here. I want to tell you a story, but first we have to get the kids out of here. That I'll tie together at the end. I don't know how well you understand your Bible, Genesis uh, chapter 1, 2, and 3, but it's said, if you can understand Genesis 1, 2, 3, up to 9 or even 10, you have a framework to understand all of scriptures. Let's start in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. But did you know that there was a Genesis chapter 0? Before Genesis was written, God was, right? Are you with me? What was he doing all this time? Well, we read from the prophets, there were several things he was, do he was doing. One of the things he was doing was being himself, hanging out with the Trinity, digging whatever the Trinity does, wherever they were and however, however they were. We learn from the prophets that he also created the angels. Am I right? And then we learn that the angels fell. A third of them fell. There was some violence. Then we have some silence, but we have this evil thing in the world. But then something absolutely amazing happens, absolutely reckless, absolutely scandalous, almost surprising and unbelievable happens. God creates again. His first creation outside of himself were, were the angels. They betrayed, a third of them betrayed. God decides to create again. And as he creates again, if it was you and me sitting in the shop and we had a rebellious staff member, we'd say, well, let's, uh, yeah, let's hire him back or let's get another one just like him, but let's tighten the leash. Let's give some more controls. Let's write a bigger policy manual. Let's have a better and tighter standards of performance for this guy. And instead of a couple rules, we're going to give this guy a lot of rules so he doesn't step out of bounds. But the scandalous thing God does, or as Clay and the, and the band so beautifully led us in, the reckless thing he does, and I mean reckless, is he creates again, but not with more rules, with less rules. foolish? And can I even say this? He said, let us make man in our image. Now, if it had been me, I would have said, let us make man kind of like artificial intelligence and robots, but we can force them to do whatever we want. We just reprogram a little. That would have been me because I don't want any more trouble. But God, out of his desire to replicate himself, the community that the Trinity had in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, eternal past, present, eternal nowness, eternal oneness, created again and said, let us make them like us. Let us give them freedom. Let us give them a desire and the ability to love and be loved. We're going to give them choice. We're going to give them reason. We're going to give them feelings. We're going to give them personality. We're going to make them like us. Unbelievable. For me, I would have never done that. 
Next time we get a kitten, I'm keeping it in a cage because it tears up the flower beds. I'm not giving it more freedom. But somewhere in the reckless genius of our good Father in heaven, he creates beings a second time with personality, with volition, with rationale, with emotion. And he says, I'm going to name the animals, or I'm going to make the animals, and I want you to name them. I'm going to create a garden, and I want you to manage it. And he goes beyond this initial recklessness and says, partner with me. Now, if I had a staff member who was a problem, first of all, I'd write a lot of rules. Second of all, I wouldn't say partner with me. I'd say follow me. I'll make it, you name it. I'll make it, you manage it. The first job humans ever had was co-creating with the Father. If I give something a name, that gives it power. If I were to hand you my child and say, please name this, you'd say, no, no, that's for you to do. Too much responsibility. We understand the power in a name. But God said, I'll create it, you name it. There's something about mothers that partners with God and names things. If you name it, oh, silly goose. If you name it, boys will be boys. Your name will come true. If you name it strong you name it courageous, if you name it valiant, if you name it brave, if you name it beautiful, if you name it creative, those dreams will come true because we partner with God. He creates Psalm 139 in, not mine, but in the womb. He weaves and knits and knows us, and then he says, name it. Moms, grandmas, I love that. We're going to pick up on that thought toward the end of what we're doing here, but I want you to understand that that there's something extremely original about what our job is. Well, welcome to Mother's Day. Appreciate all of you, but I don't appreciate the fact that this may be the hardest message I have to give all year. Give or take, 50% of you in here are experts. Give or take, the other 50% of you think you are. Now, chances are, if I were to take a Greek word and tell you that the Greek word for dynamite is dunamis, and that word is used in 1 Corinthians with reference to the power of God that's in you, you'd go, okay, he studied that. But if I open my mouth and say anything about motherhood, all of you women are like, okay, we'll see. We'll see if he knows anything. I remember witnessing the birth of my first child, and there was an opportunity to take a break. I noticed that the 
for some reason, labor had slowed down and things were, uh, seemed like there was a good opening there and I had been up for a lot of hours as, as uh, you know how those things go. And my 23-year-old self just got a hankering for a sandwich. And I knew down in the lobby they had sandwiches. So during this lull in the action, my 23-year-old self says, hey, I think I'll go down and get a sandwich. Anybody want one? And every female eye in that room drilled holes in my head. So ladies, I admit, right at the get-go, I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I'll try. Our comments this morning from the stage, our comments later on from the back of the room when we pass out roses, is way more, please keep this in mind, about femininity than it is about motherhood technically. There are many who long to be mothers but are way too young. There are many who dreamed about being mothers but now have become of too many years. There are those who dream of being mothers and can't be for thousands of reasons. And believe it or not, there are those that dream of not being mothers and are. I don't know who you are this morning. There are mothers who mourn children that were aborted who never saw the light of day, yet this morning on Mother's Day, they mourn them. Life can be so confusing. And when we capsulate it and put it in a holiday and say, Happy Mother's Day, and there's gifts and cards, and I, I don't, I think that creates a pressure creates opportunities for businesses to make money, but I think that creates a pressure. And so in my opening comments, I'd like to acknowledge that it has created a pressure for this speaker this morning to try to get things right. I'm going to give you four points. It's going to be like a, a chubby Oreo. It's going to be some chocolate on the outside, some chocolate on the, on the, on the other front end of it, and then there's going to be some good stuff in the middle. But there's going to be that really rebellious adolescent boy who one time had this pesky little dog at this house he was visiting. And there was some really hot salsa, some really spicy chips, and some Oreos. So he took his little fingernail and this young man and carved out a little hole in the Oreo because this dog was just gobbling up Oreos. Put some hot sauce in the middle of that white goodness in the Oreo. Put the lid back on and next time the dog came over to harass that fella, that fella slipped that dog an Oreo with the hot sauce in the middle. Lasers burned holes in my head. The middle part might have a little kick to it. But I hope even in the kick, it's encouraging. 
Clara Dorsey walked behind a covered wagon in the early 1900s, around 1908, 1909, when she was just a young girl. She came to the eastern part of the state of Washington, and she met a homesteader named Seibert Eaton, my grandpa. They had eight children, the third of which, the oldest boy, was Alex Thomas Eaton, my father, who later married Anna Laura Sherrill from North Carolina. And I am the firstborn of that union. My other grandma is Lily Mae Sutton from North Carolina. We know very little about her, apparently a quiet lady who, as a result of complications of childbirth, contracted pneumonia, and when my mother was nine months old, she died. She married Alex Thomas Eaton in the state of Washington, which is a long story I'm sure you'll hear sometime. They had two children, two boys, of which I am the oldest. Moms, I want you to know, you never know where your children will end up or what they will do. How does Kansas and eastern Washington and North Carolina get to Oklahoma? It's a fantastic and each of your grandparents before you and your parents before you and your story and your children's story and your children beyond that and your great-grandchildren four generations out will have a great story. We never know. Point number one, this is the chocolate on the outside. Your work, ladies, is noble. Mother or not, your task, your job, your vocation, your work is noble. As mentioned already, you never know your impact. You can never know your impact. My first grade teacher could never imagine me here. You cast vision. You name things. You partner with God in crafting young hearts and minds to be Senators, teachers, pastors, nurses, moms, be wealthy and build hospitals or orphanages, be artists, be creative, be musicians, and the list goes on. School teachers, moms, women, in the sound of my voice this morning, you have no idea, but the work you do is noble. It is about this thing here, and hear me clearly. It is about crafting young hearts, and young minds. A little bit of hot spice in here. If we make our children about serving us, then it's about making our world better. It's about screaming. It's about control. It's about yelling. It's about rules. It's about, it's about stares. It's about shaming because our job has lost its vision of crafting young hearts and minds and has become the vision of controlling so that my life will be easy. Children, your job is to make me fulfilled. And when I am old and gray, your job is to call me every week. Your job is to appreciate me. Your, that's not your job, moms. Your job is to craft hearts and minds 
to be something you can't even imagine yet. All right, now we get to the middle part. Moms, and I say this with all tenderness, but it's something you already know, but that's rarely, rarely said. Ladies, if you're going to do this thing, your heart will be broken. Your heart will be broken. Anyone who dares to love, anyone who dares to love will have a broken heart eventually. And those who care for children, they will break your heart. Your tenderness has been squelched at all at early ages. Your beauty has gone so often unnoticed. Your desire for loveliness has gone underappreciated. You build things, you make things, you craft things. They become lovely. The, the house smells better. The space smells better. The stuff is rearranged. There's flowers where there wasn't flowers. And there's paint where there wasn't paint. There's clean where there was dirty. And you've made a beautiful spot. And it will go underappreciated by those you do it for. This is the spicy in the middle. Sometimes, ladies, your beauty may be, may be even unwanted. Often, women's beauty scares insecure men. And insecure men then, in turn, will attempt to scare you. The children will leave just like you did, and your heart will be broken. The people you love fail to love you, and your heart will be broken. To love well, ladies, is to experience a broken heart. Second part of the, the hot sauce in the middle that I hope doesn't induce sh shameful stares right through my skull is you will want to quit, moms. I say these things to encourage you. I say these things to, to tell you you're not alone. There will be times you will want to quit. Please don't. Please don't. But that doesn't mean you won't want to. Life will feel occasionally like the universe is conspiring against you. You're supposed to have a clean house, have a career, be happy, be spontaneous, be sensual, be organized, be responsive. Have community involvement. Have great hair. Have a great body. Discipline the kids. Keep up with current events. Buy just the right gifts for everyone. Keep your nails done. Keep your hair cut just in the latest fashion. Have the right clothes for every occasion. You're supposed to get a full night's sleep. You're supposed to work out. You're supposed to eat right and cook right. You're supposed to do the shopping, drive the taxi, do the laundry, and make killer chocolate chip cookies. It's too much. And you feel that. And if you're like my wife, life can feel like a body blow every three minutes. Every three minutes, 
If we're watching social media or television, it feels like a body blow every 30 seconds. Life comes at some of us, and boom, it just gets us. And we say, I can't go on, and I want to encourage you, please don't quit. Some of you will feel like running away. Some of you will get depressed. Some of you will get lazy. Some of you will overachieve. Some of you will just go numb with food, with social media, with hobbies, with fitness, with distraction. Some of you will rebel and say, I don't need anyone. Some of you will get cynical. Some will try to control. Some will get angry. Some will become super specialist experts. Some of you will just avoid and disappear altogether or like one mother of three I knew about 20 years old, unbeknownst to anyone, she left a note and disappeared after breakfast. Just left. It can feel overwhelming like an Oklahoma tornado on occasion. You will long to exhale. You will wonder who you are and what your value is. Ladies, your work is noble. It is incredibly noble. It is the work of queens. Your heart will be broken. And I might add this, it will be necessarily broken. If your children don't leave you, I dare say you've done a poor job creating hearts and minds. Your hearts, ladies, and this breaks mine to tell it to you, and men experience this in their own ways, must necessarily be broken. And the tears will come with that. You will want to quit. Lastly, remember, 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 who you are is not what you do. Adam was in the garden now by himself, and we pick up back with Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And so God creates the animals and parades them in front of Adam and says, Adam, name them, and he does. We've covered that. God creates a garden, puts Adam in the middle of the garden, and says, Adam, manage this. We've covered this. But then on the very last day, something spectacular happens. The animals, he didn't find a suitable mate. And by the way, the text says that if you want a little biblical humor, think about that one. The garden was never going to fulfill Adam. So outside of the garden, theologically, that's a key point. Outside of the garden, God creates Eve. Adam was put to sleep so that he had nothing to do with the woman's creation. He was stinking asleep. I am not over my wife. I'm not under my wife. I'm beside my wife. That's God's design. Not this. 
but this. I partner with my wife like God partners with me and you. And she partners back with me. And by the way, this is good theology I'm giving you right now. Oh, it'd be so much easier to teach husbands. If you just got your act together, then the wife would get her act together, and the house would be happy, and the wives are ha, ha, ha. As we partner with femininity. So it went something like this. Adam's asleep. God gets a rib. He goes and fashions. He made Adam out of mud, but he fashions the woman. And then Scripture says he brings her to Adam. The final act of creation. At which point Adam says, Whoa! Flesh of my flesh. Bone of my bone. For her, I would leave all that secure. For her, I'd leave my mother and father. What that means is, for her, I'd leave everything that's secure. I'd leave this home I have. I'd enter into the dangerous zone of embracing something just like me. I don't have dominion over it. I can run the garden. I can name the animals, but I don't have dominion over her. But she's so beautiful. I will leave all of this. And I will become so close to her that we'll be like we're one flesh. Just like the Trinity is one, that's how close we're going to be. When I tick, she talks. When I step forward, she steps back. When I step back, she steps forward. When I move left, she goes with me. When I move right, we go. And it's harmony. Ladies, don't forget who you are in creation. You were granted a side of the almighty trinity that men could never, ever begin to understand the depths of your own soul. And although society has tried to tell you that you are a body that's meant for men's pleasure. And then in the same music video, they say, you are a woman and you don't need any man. And they send this huge confusing message out because you're too deep for us. Your beauty is too vast for us. Ladies, we need you. Don't quit. When the body blows come, don't quit. When the heartbreak comes, don't quit. You are a bringer of beauty to my world and to everybody else's world. And we need you. We need you. Specifically, moms, keep doing what you're doing. After I'm long gone and dead, someone's going to fill this pulpit. Maybe you've crafted their heart and mind. Someone's going to be in Oklahoma City making laws, and maybe you've been a part of crafting their heart and mind. We need you. Keep doing what you're doing.